0: So anyway, I'm going to DM Stephanie her first tweet, and we're going to get into it. Strap in, because here we go.
1: This is about 10 days after the Netflix series came out in October of 2021, and it says, for those who might be reading Made, my book, after watching Made Netflix, you might appreciate to see the first sentence, my daughter learned to walk in a homeless shelter, come to life. And there is attached a video of my kid learning to walk in the homeless shelter that we are living in. And I started my book with that.
0: Where was that homeless shelter?
1: It's in Port Townsend, Washington, which is on the Olympic Peninsula. It's like an old... Victorian touristy town. There's only about 3,000 people. And their homeless shelter is a line of cabins, like really small cabins. They're still there. I drive by them every time I visit. And it's supposed to hold two families, but we got one to ourselves. And so that was June of 2008. I mean, I had no money. You know, I only had a couple hundred bucks. And I had to find a job in order to get approved for childcare. Right. And so I luckily got a job working as a landscaper for a friend of mine's husband and another single mom, and I traded off childcare until I could prove that I was actually working enough to need childcare, which is really backwards and asinine. And the way that childcare grants work is you need to show that you have a job that needs. A certain amount of child care. And so in my case, since I was self-employed, was not getting a paycheck, I had to have someone write a letter. And this is the times that she works. And starting out, it was only for a few hours in the afternoon. And so when I went to show them like, hey, I have this job, I need child care for it. Can you give me a grant? Because I couldn't afford childcare. And so they said yes, but they only approved me for afternoon hours, so from like 12 to four or something like that. So I could not work more than what I had been working because my childcare availability had been very limited.
0: The logic seems counterintuitive. You've proven that you are working and they're like, okay, we'll only give you childcare for this amount of time that you've been working thus far when really you wanna be working more hours.
1: Yeah, it's it's really backwards. It's work first and then get the childcare for it, but you need childcare in order to work. So all of those programs are built on not trusting poor people with money or access to things so they don't make it easy. And you always, always, always have to prove that you are working in order to get anything, even food.
0: And what does that do to the psyche when you're always being treated like a potential criminal that's got to have an impact, I would imagine?
1: You definitely feel like the dregs of society. And then at the time, people were really big on thinking that everybody on quote unquote welfare should be drug tested. And so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of the comparing people on food stamps to wild animals and don't feed the animals because they'll become dependent on handouts. I mostly saw it as like memes on Facebook. I mean, this was when I was really, really needing that assistance. What stuck with me the most was the feeling that I only had value as a human being if I was actively working. So as a freelancer, most of the actual work that you're doing doesn't look like work at all. Or as a writer, even, it affected me a lot in that sense of just not feeling like I had any value to myself or society, you know, just all of these things. And so in my case, it was like, we will only give you this small amount of money for food if you're working 20 hours a week. It sticks with you. It it stuck with me. I still have a lot of trauma just related with work and self-worth and value.
0: I've seen that on Twitter a little bit because you're so candid about how you feel or what you're going through, which is what I love about your Twitter feed. It's so real. And I got to say, I knew you before the show came and blew up. I mean, you were already New York Times bestseller. But I, you know, it's like you kept tweeting out, other oh, shows coming. And then all of a sudden it hit. And you were like, you know, people were coming at you on Twitter. And I watched you and I was just like, she's just the same as she was before. This has like not changed her at all.
1: Well, I'm glad you think that. I did yeah. see a couple that were like too big for my britches or like she's changed with, because of fame. and
0: You didn't on the TV shows, MSNBC. You always advocated for women of color. You were like, look, I got through. But what we need to focus is on all these other people who aren't getting through.
1: Yeah, because the system really assigns dignity to work instead of just dignity to being a human being. Okay, so this is from end of October 2021 it says I'm headed to this guy's funeral tomorrow he was my chosen dad I don't think he would want a funeral I think he would want us all to get together and laugh and drink wine and hug lots of wine and hugs I'm bringing wine <laughs> and I will try to laugh and give lots of hugs <laughs> So the picture is a book event that I had in Seattle where Frank lived. And he was there, of course. And we went out to dinner afterwards at his favorite sports bar that he liked to go to after the Mariners games.
0: It's a lovely photo. You said your chosen dad. I noticed in many of your tweets, it's like something you talk about, like chosen family, right?
1: He was my best friend in middle school's dad. And I think the the wonders of Facebook, we've connected again and... He was just this really supportive, like, go get him, kiddo. And just, like, was always just this really positive, fatherly figure. And I started kind of jokingly calling him Cyber Dad. Like, because he was like... (laughs) 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 And he took that so seriously. And I actually have... He wrote me a letter that is right by my computer on my desk where I write. And I'll just read the last thing he said... He goes into like how he met me and that I moved to Montana and he said why the hell is she moving to Montana of all places and so this was a year before the book came out and there's a line that says and now we all wait holding our breath for your book and he said I want you to know that I take my cyber dad duties seriously Steph watching the ongoing emergence of May the pre-publication attention it and you are receiving and the messages you are receiving from the world telling you Stephanie Land that you are an important voice, and we value you and what you have to teach us, and we want to hear what you have to say. And the last lines, I guess I'm writing because I want you to know, Steph, beyond a Facebook post that, yes, I am indeed so immensely proud of you and overjoyed for you, sometimes even to the point of tears. Really. And he signed it CD.
0: That letter just made me cry, i got to be
1: honest. (laughs) I I noticed that. (laughs) <laughs> it almost made me cry.
0: It had got 45 replies, 9 retweets and 925 likes. I will post it on the website so people could see the letter.
1: So that night that we went out to dinner, he was walking us to our car. I was there with my husband and we walked by this couple that was arguing and the girl was crying and the guy was Yelling and kind of like starting that posture, you know, where they kind of like make themselves really big, getting right up in their face. And so Frank, as we were walking by, he did a double take and then he stopped and he walked back and he he said, hey, man, just take it easy. Like, you don't have to do this just go for a walk. And the guy stopped yelling, at least for that moment. And that's just the kind of guy he was. I can't believe I can't call him. And especially to hear from his children and his family that he truly was an amazing father and man. It was good to feel a part of a family Yeah. for for a little while. I've been estranged from my family for 10 years, so it was nice to to have that feeling again. So if I get stuck on a sentence, you know, that line. And now we all wait holding our breath for your book.
0: More Twitterverse after the break. back to twitterverse i'm gonna dm another tweet
1: (laughs) october 4th of 2021 best part about having an ex-military spouse is they know how to buzz your undershave and he does do that and my person who cuts my hair she's like i'm i'm impressed we met on bumble i reopened my account for all of 10 minutes and swiped right on him we got to talking and he admitted that he was a full-time single dad he asked me if I'd like to meet, and we got married 10 months later. Tim, we were both full-time single parents. I joke that he was the only full-time single dad in all of Missoula, because I dated all the other ones uh, <laughs> <laughs> who were the part-time single dads, who I couldn't stand. I had a book coming out. I was not looking for a relationship. I just was single and did as a single person does, I guess. You wanted to mingle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, oh God, as soon as I mustered up the courage to look him directly in the eye, it was just over. And you just kind of have this moment of just like, ah, fuck. And <laughs> it was pretty instantaneous, and I forced him to go to couples therapy with me <laughs> immediately.
0: Because you wanted to make it work, and you knew that that would be a great way to...
1: Well, he had two teens. His oldest is 21, and then his youngest is 17. He joined the military when he was right out of high school. He went to the Air Force. He was in it for 10 years and I think he had four deployments, eventually became a flight engineer for C-130s, so the the cargo planes. He still talks about it really fondly, has some injuries from it. He just had his lower spine fused. They were under fire, and they were trying to push a Humvee into the plane, and the winch wasn't going fast enough. And so Tim and this other guy decided to just push this and he said he felt his back just discs bulging and he's under doctor's orders to rest and take it easy and i had this certain way of saying his name like tim like just (laughs) 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 and then he knows he just has this like defeat stance okay
0: what's the expectation there with the with the spine and everything
1: So we're hoping, because he's had, that's his second fusion in six months. He had his neck fused too. So we're hoping he'll be good for a while.
0: Tell him I'm rooting for Mars in the Marines a million years ago. Some of the best people I've met in my life were enlisted. Is the VA taking okay care of them? Because sometimes they're problematic. They're not as good with the veterans as they should be. It's
1: like a three year waiting process to be approved for disability. He got approved at 40% after he left and then he's trying for 100% now and it's taking forever. So he hired some kind of company. They have doctors that they use, but you give them a certain percentage of what you get. You're in that one. All right, this is December of 2020. Let's just all start a thread of people we love. I love Charlotte Clymer, CM Clymer, and Dr. Jesse Gold, and Dr. Jen Gunter, and Liz Lenz, and Gabe Hudson, and Roxanne Gay, and Cheryl Strade, and Lydia Yuknovich. This was when I got super into puzzles. It was that part of the pandemic. There were a couple of nights that I was just up all night doing a puzzle. And so, of course, I'm like drinking wine or whatever, as one does, and the house is quiet. The puzzle was missing three pieces, so we didn't finish it. And so we did another one, and that one was also missing pieces. After that, I couldn't do puzzles anymore. I told my therapist, I said, I've been really into puzzles lately, and it's it's really satisfying. And she said, oh, that makes a lot of sense, you know, as a writer, that you can just do something and see its progress and then see it finished. And I was like, God damn it. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, I would say with you and more so than many people I know, you were able to take a situation in your life and put the pieces together to find your way, which were not readily apparent. You found that on your own. You put it all together. And it seems to me that all the pieces were there. There's none missing.
1: Oh, man. There's a few times that I'm out in public and and someone will mention, like, oh, yeah, I saw you tweet. And I have this moment of, like, oh, my God, people actually read those things? (laughs) There's just this moment of, no, but Twitter is just where I throw things. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, and I'd say, compared to most people, you really have it tapped into an honest thing that's going on in your mind. You're not afraid to tell the truth. And that's what I think is so compelling about your feed.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Do you feel the writing community is there? These are my people. I know them. And, like, there's these other writers that are kind of careening around on the timeline and it's a place of comfort for you? I'm curious.
1: Most of the time, yeah. I follow a lot of really smart journalists. And then, of course, you, like your your daily, like, does anybody know what the fuck is going on? And, And just, I have a good mix on there of people who are really passionate about what's going on politically, who I trust. I enjoy it. It's also comforting to me, I think, to know there are people out there who are angry and who are angry with me and who are writing about it.
0: You feel rage these days, I presume. I mean, with Roe, it's the worst thing that's happened in our lifetime, in my opinion.
1: And I've used abortion medication both for abortions and for miscarriages but now they're like going after contraception and it's getting weird out there it's really hard to have three kids with uteruses in my house trying to comprehend what their life is going to look like in in three or four years and
0: to be able to talk to them in a way that will be meaningful and helpful to them
1: i haven't really grasped how to feel about it it's gonna be in my next book for sure i chose to have my second i was on food stamps I knew for sure I was gonna be doing it alone. I had no support system. I'm gonna show what it's like to have a baby when you don't have anything. The government does not support you. I was pounding the pavement trying to find a place to live that we could afford.
0: Do you think that as all this adversity comes, that changes the style of your writing for your book?
1: Yeah, my editor asked me yesterday, were you angry during that time? And I said, no, because anger is a waste of time when you are that strapped for time. I didn't have the privilege to feel because I was trying to get to the next meal the next day and not go to bed hungry. The people who need the most resources are not going to have the ability to say that out loud because they're too worried about getting those resources. You live in a completely different world when you're hungry or when you're housing insecure, and especially when you have kids. The people who do have the privilege of bandwidth and who do have the privilege of being able to sit and watch the news and be up to speed on things. They're the ones who need to be fighting. I really appreciate seeing people fight because it kind of makes me feel like that maybe they were fighting for me when I was going through it, too, back when I had no idea what Twitter was. Or I don't even think there was a Twitter.
0: It's hard to believe there was a time when all this stuff didn't exist.
1: A lot of people will dump on Twitter, and I've had my share of death threats and, and all of that, but I still think it's a pretty great place. It's a writer's platform, and once you learn how to use that and you do have a writing community because we're all so alone in our little desks and offices. Oh, and I'm so lonely. That's why I'm <laughs> doing a
0: podcast. I love talking to my friends here.
1: So, I mean, it's a good thing right now to be able to get angry together and then to see that other people are writing about it in really smart ways.
0: That's the premise of the show that I actually love it and it's great for community. The things we read of yours today, those are little pieces of art in my mind and they tell a story of your life.
1: Thank you.
0: I'm super honored that. You came on the show, so.
1: Oh, thank you. This is the second podcast I've ever done. The first one, my publisher told me I needed to do it. And then I was getting so many requests that I just turned them all down. Yeah, I had to talk to you.